Welcome in to a Friday edition of the Back and Forth Podcast. We made it to the weekend, and normally we wouldn't have a game to discuss about today, Joey. We would be looking forward to the weekend, maybe some stuff over the weekend that's happening, but UNLV was so graceful to, you know, grace themselves, if you will, with their presence on a Friday night playing Fresno State. Um, we'll get into that game here in just a moment. Again, I'm your host, Stat Matt, here with Joey G., you can find. They should have just not made the road trip and just wave the white flag already. Just be like, you know what? You take the COVID thing. outbreak, guys. Isn't yeah. isn't ninety five percent of your roster vaccinated? I, no, I don't know. I there guess there is still the five percent. There's still the still the five <laughs> percent. COVID outbreak can't play. Uh, but again, you can follow the show on Twitter at backforthpod, Instagram's at backforthpodcast. You can find Joey and myself on both those platforms at joeygaigo13, myself at mattrafter925. And as we talked about, we got the main topic of the show here. UNLV is playing Fresno State, the now nationally ranked Fresno State Bulldogs on the road. This will be UNLV's second straight. No, third straight. I think third, third straight. straight. Yeah, third straight nationally ranked game in a row. You had Arizona State back home for Iowa State and now on the road for Fresno State. So three games, Joey, all in the top 25 and well, all the results have not been in favor of UNLV by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no, you I, well would... at least the first two. I guess tonight's still technically to be determined. But oh, I mean, we can. Y- you kind of know. We can kind of <laughs> pinpoint, you know, in the direction this game's going to go. But yeah. uh, you would think at some point, you know, UNLV played this really tough uh, non-conference schedule going into conference play that they'll, they'll be somewhat ready playing uh, the tough opponents they have played so far. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh if Brumfield plays tonight, I think UNLV can lose respectfully. They were up 10 to... First off, when he got in the game, they outscored Eastern Washington. You know, they were down 6-20. He goes in. They put up 14 points in the final six minutes of the game and are able to uh, force that game in overtime. And then eventually they lose in overtime. But it was the defense that more have lost that game. I mean, offensively, they were marching down the field and they were able to put up points. Gets Arizona State... Uh, Brumfield was able to get a 10-7 lead against them on the road. Not saying they would have won that game, but uh, they were winning by three points. He gets goes down with an injury. Arizona State outscores UNLV 30-0 when he's not on the field. So kind of shows you the impact he has on the UNLV roster, or at least on the UNLV team. And uh, if he plays tonight, I think this could be like a 17-38, 17-35 kind of score. If he goes down with an injury or Justin Rogers or someone else gets a start, this is going to get ugly. Um, this could this will be like very similar to Iowa State, three to forty eight, three to forty five, seven to fifty one, or something like that, somewhere along those lines. But uh, it, and again, it sucks. There's really no enthusiasm for UNLV football. Even in the previous years, I would get excited where they would play, or I would look forward to them playing again. Uh, really, it's just I'm looking, I'm expecting a, a blowout tonight. Is kind of what I'm expecting, and um, I really. Really uh, just speechless when it comes to UNLV football and and not in a good way. Uh, This will be an 0-4 start for the second straight year. Uh, And again, Marcus Royal still doesn't have a win. Uh, You hope you see some fight in this team. I think they showed fight against Arizona State up until a certain point. Um, They really didn't show a lot of fight in my eyes against Iowa State. They kind of just rolled over. Uh, So at least what you can ask for for UNLV tonight is they're obviously not going to win this football game, but just have a little fight in them and to hang around for a little bit. Uh, And have at least some type of moral victory. I know Marcus Arroyo is like, we're not into moral victories, but I mean, buddy, you haven't won a game yet. So <laughs> you got to start, let's start aiming for those moral victories first before we can start getting uh, uh, actual wins on the, on the schedule. So what I hope to see from UNLV tonight, just some fight, 
Um, but overall, I expect Fresno to win this game by at least 18 points. Yeah. Depending on Brumfield, if, if he plays or not. Well, fun stat here. You know that this is now the third straight game in a row UNLV has been an underdog by 30 or more points. So it's not just Joey, folks, that think the uh, this game's going to be a little bit ugly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that's it's, it's rightfully so. I mean, look, UNLV last week, I, I don't know if I put this all on Cameron Friel. In fact, I probably don't because Cameron Friel was coming in um, to make his very first ever start against an Iowa State team that came in pretty mad because they came off of a in-state loss to Iowa that for pretty much all accounts accounted for here probably ended Iowa State's playoff bid chances. I mean, maybe they could sneak still back in, but they're going to have to win out the rest of their schedule. They're going to have to play great against Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to have to need some help in front. They need a lot of things to go right for themselves, for Iowa State. But to UNLV, they need... They need a lot of work. Um, Marcus Arroyo, I don't know if it's just he's brand new to coaching and maybe he's, I mean, it's different. Like when you're trying to put, make, you know, come up with strategy as a head coach compared to a coordinator. I don't know if that's because he's made some questionable, questionable like strategy calls. Like, you know, he'll be, for instance, kicking for it on like the one yard line instead of going for, you know, you're kicking a field goal. If well, you we will. did that against Eastern Washington. Yeah. Going in, uh, there was three, three, they're on the three yard line with six seconds left and they chose to kick the field goal. Right. There was poor clock management there. There was, um, yeah, it was just poor clock management. I mean, you could have easily ran a couple more plays. Maybe one of them hits for a touchdown. I mean, it's all the little stuff. And so for that, I mean, it, that's a little bit worrisome. And then you also have to look at, the number one problem I would identify with this team, and that's the indecisiveness. At some point in time, you have to decide on a true number one quarterback. It's a big reason why they went winless last year, because there was so much rotation within that quarterback slot that that's where you start seeing a lot of more of those false start penalties and undisciplined types of penalties that you would see on the offense, you know, holding... <laughs> Uh, false start, you know, illegal formation, that type of silly stuff. And we've seen a lot of that still this year because you look at it, Cameron Friel has had significant playing time. Tate Martell's gotten in a few snaps, uh, Doug Brunfield, and Justin Rogers. So that's already four quarterbacks. UNLV has gotten significant playing time, and we're only through the third game, about to be through the fourth game here after tonight. And, and then he'll take him out, and then he'll put him back in, and it's just it's this huge mess. Like, you need to find a quarterback and stick with it. Like, they, they they pulled out the freshman against Iowa State, which, again, wasn't completely his fault. And then they put Tate Martell, they put Tate Martell in the game, and then they pulled Tate Martell out, and they put the freshman back in. So yeah. just like Matt said, when you have quarterbacks going in and out of that huddle, um, the chemistry is not only going to be bad, but like you said, the undisciplined false starts and all those uh, uh, penalties go back to chemistry issues because you're having all these different quarterbacks go in and out of that huddle. Yeah, I, I thoroughly expect a blowout here on Fresno. I, I'm thinking like 56 to 7, honestly. I think Fresno, they're coming in. They're a much better team than people are giving them credit for. They only lost by, I think, six points to Oregon, the same Oregon team that went on the road to Columbus and beat Ohio State by, I think, at least one touchdown, if not by double digits. And an Oregon team that also just went in and beat UCLA, I believe at home, if I'm not mistaken, or it was at UCLA. I think the game was, 
So they've got already some impressive wins um, to the, add to their their resume in Fresno State, and they're they're no joke. They don't they shouldn't be taken lightly. I think it's going to be a blowout. I just don't. I mean, this UNLV team they're they're such a mess and such a debacle in so many different ways. It's it's almost laughable um, just how bad this team is. And I, I mean, honestly. I hate to say it, but this might be the worst UNLV team for football that I've watched in my lifetime. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you look at it, Charles Williams is the bright spot of the team. Like that, We have the all-time rushing leader in either, I think it's Division One football, right? Charles Williams? Yeah, for rushing yards. Isn't he the all-time leader? Or is it just, oh no, never mind. I'm, no, I think, I'm getting yeah. my stat mic. I was like, wait, three thousand does seems a little bit low, um, for Donnell, sure. I think it's Daniel Pumphrey still, the old uh, San Diego State running back. Oh, uh, okay, but I think um, he's the school's rushing leader, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So you have Charles Williams, who's the all-time rushing leader for UNLV. That's about it. Like, you have uncertainty at quarterback. Your receivers are yeah, okay. I mean, you have what Kyle Williams? He's okay. Um, you have a defense that's still very young and still making strides forward. I, I still don't understand how they let Kenyon O'Bland slip away. Yeah. He was going to be a really, as a freshman, he played really well at quarterback. He did. And for some reason he's not, and I think Marcus Royal coaching Justin Herbert, I'm not saying O'Bland's the next Justin Herbert, but their play styles are very similar. And I don't understand why O'Bland did not get the starting job going into uh, Arroyo's first year. I don't know if it's because he recruited Justin Rogers and Justin Rogers becoming coming from a Big 12 school and being a four-star recruit, it just made sense for him to be the starter. Um, but that 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 still that still baffles me how we really had a, a good future quarterback and he just walked out the door pretty much, or we just let him walk out the door. I think Oblad would have done some really special things at UNLV. Yeah. And by yeah. special, I mean B6 and 6. <laughs> Right. Well, and I mean, UNLV football is kind of in a hard place here because they're getting enough funding to where you can't really justify shutting down the program, per se, because of how bad they've been. But at the same time, it's also like, do you really want to keep funding a team that has continuously done the same thing over and over? They haven't made any progress forward in the right direction. Well, well, going to that argument about um, funding – they should have. They should have. Whatever money, I don't know how much they paid to get into Allegiant Stadium. Frankly, I don't even want to know. Right. But there's nothing in that building that has UNLV's name on it. There's nothing that it literally feels like when UNLV basketball plays a, a road game at T-Mobile Arena. It literally feels like UNLV playing a a neutral site game at at T-Mobile Arena. Like there's not a team store for UNLV football. It's literally a bunch of kiosks that have like. UNLV hats and UNLV pom poms on them that they look like they're just, they just easily fold up and they can just put in storage for when UNLV football comes back out. At least Sam Boyd, for as old and rundown as it was, it had their name on it and you knew it belonged to UNLV. And UNLV should have used whatever money they're paying play at Allegiant to renovate Sam Boyd Stadium or build a stadium of their own. Um, I feel like it's it's a little pointless for them to be playing at Allegiant because they're only using. Not even half the stadium. They're using, what, 30% of the stadium, just the lower bowl area. The only reason they stole those other seats is because Iowa State came into town and they're the ones that occupied most of those seats. So they're using 30% of the stadium 
and there's nothing in that building that has their name on it. I don't see why UNLV is spending so much money to play there. There's not on the outdoors, on the outside of the stadium, there's a Raiders TV screen, there's another Raiders TV thing, there's a Raiders entrance, there's Raiders murals, and I get it, it belongs to the Raiders, but UNLV's also paid money to build that stadium, and UNLV's also paying money to play there. You think there'd be something that has UNLV's name on it um, to, to be displayed on the outside of the stadium or to be displayed on the inside? Nada. Yeah. And it feels like the Raiders, quite frankly, probably don't even, if it were up to them, and if they had full control over it, the UNLV wouldn't be playing there. 100%. And I think I've said it even on the show before. If you've taken a tour of the Allegiant Stadium, when I tell you there is literally one red wall in the entire building, I'm not joking. Like, it, that's, that's for real. Like, there is literally one wall painted red, and it's UNLV's locker room, and that's it. Everything else is black. Like, so if that doesn't tell you that, like, the Raiders don't really embrace UNLV all that much, I don't know what does. Well, they almost kicked UNLV out last year because yeah, they of were... the schedule. They were like, you're going to have to go play at uh, Sam Boyd. Right, and then there was funding issues. UNLV didn't want to really pay the bill, and it was a whole mess. And, yeah, I mean, again, I, I would have been okay with the complete renovation of Sam Boyd. That's I mean, it's going to it's going to cost a lot of money because Sam Boyd, let's be honest, is in a dump right now. It is god-awful. But, like, when I mean renova- renovation, I'm talking, like, that dirt lot that they have people park in, come through and make that pavement. Um Take out all the old bleachers. Yeah, take all the bleachers out. Put some stadium seating in. Like, actually make it worth people's time to go. You know, redo the concession stands. Redo all the... The locker rooms. That was one of the big issues. Yeah, go through and just do a complete rebuild. You've got, you know, that scoreboard is really old. I would redo that. I mean, the the video board half the time doesn't even work. (laughs) Add the... Uh, add some additional suites on the other side because if remember the more suites you have, the more you get. They get to keep that money when people buy out the suites for the season. That's why NFL owners are so picky on having a certain amount of suites is because they get to keep all that money for f- football games. Well, so you put some additional suites on the others. They could have made Sam Boyd look nice. Well, here's without the, building a whole new stadium. Well, I would have even made Sam Boyd a complete closed, enclosed stadium. So you know how it's kind of sitting as a horseshoe. Yeah, I would have put a com, you know complete enclosure. I would have added another scoreboard on the opposite end, um, so that you know no matter what end of the stadium you're sitting on, you can see the scoreboard. Um, you know, because again, if you're going to pay all this money to go play at Allegiant Stadium, you could probably do the same amount, if not more, with the renovation. Um, you know, I want to look up how much they paid. They paid to play there. It was probably a, f- a, a few million dollars, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Let's see. UNLV. You know, even with the hometown discount, I guess, the Raiders are still probably getting their money's worth out of them. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I would have done a complete, absolute rebuild of Sam Boyd Stadium, make it very modern now, and kind of revive it. And, you know, sure, it's going to cost you probably 5 to $10 million to – um, to do everything the right way. And I mean, I'm that's talking like, you know, adding in those seats, doing all of the things I just talked about. But it's like Joey said, still something that is considered to be theirs. I think Joey's about to have a heart attack. He's looking at me with a very shocked look on his face. I've never seen this look out of Joey before. So something significant. Didn't, I, I know for a fact UNLV helped pay build the stadium, didn't they? Didn't they put, I thought they put it in some type of bill for it. I thought they did, yeah. Why? Well, regardless of that, guess how much they play, They pay to play just a game there per game. So there's six home games. Guess how much they pay per game to play. 
I would probably say two million a game. One hundred fifty thousand dollars per game. Oh, that's a lot less than I thought. Yeah, they play one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So they a pay. Game. They pay the Raiders one hundred and fifty grand a game to come in, look absolutely uncompetitive whatsoever, and like for what? Like you again, you could have used that money to that could be like seat upgrades, like in Sam Boyd. Like again, you look at it. They played what three or four home games in. Um, well, you know, they almost built their own stadium on their own at some point uh, a few years ago. So they have the money to build their own stadium, but like they don't even need to do that. Just go and redo and rebuild Sam Boyd stadium. Like, I don't think other than the location, I don't think there were a lot of things other than the location in the, in the state of the, it was getting old. I don't think there were a lot of things wrong with Sam Boyd stadium. Yeah. Like even the location is not that bad because when there were big events there, people showed up. Right. So you need to start winning football games before you want to start talking about building some mega you know, I think they almost built like a one billion dollar stadium. If you, I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. six, seven, six several years ago. So, um, and even the when they were voting on it, Clark County was like some dude completely insulted UNLV right to their face. He was like, "Let's be honest, a lot of these events we're going to have at the stadium are going to, you know, the big events aren't going to be UNLV football because I've been to UNLV football games and unless the fans are disguised as seats, then." It's it's pretty empty there. Like you can go back and watch the videos of that. That is exactly what came out of that man's mouth, right as UNLV's president and athletic director are sitting right there. So that just kind of shows you how UNLV football's viewed in the community right now. And you, and you think you're ready to go play in Allegiant Stadium? I think it was completely pointless. Sure, it's nice to go see that stadium at a completely discounted price, um, but you could have done a neutral site game there every year, like UNLV does at T-Mobile Arena or UNLV does at Mandalay Bay or wherever. Um, you don't see UNLV moving out of Thomas and Mac to go play at T-Mobile Arena because it'd be completely pointless. And that's how I feel UNLV playing at Allegiant Stadium is it's completely pointless. doesn't have their name on it. They're paying money to play there. You're not paying money to go play at your own building at Sam Boyd or just build your own building. It doesn't make sense. And you're only using, again, 30% of the stadium. It is a complete, like you're paying 150 grand to use a tiny portion of the stadium. It is pointless. I don't know what UNLV is trying to accomplish. You have a nice facility, upgrade Sam Boyd, or build your own stadium closer to campus. There are a bunch of empty dirt lots all over by UNLV where they could have put a nice 30, 40,000 seat stadium, which is probably more reasonable for UNLV football than a 65,000 seat stadium. Very, very true. But again, Joey and I believe that uh, it's going to be same old UNLV football tonight against Fresno. Yeah. Um, we do appreciate you guys, by the way, listening to this tangent on UNLV football. It seems like we do this like it's much once, needed once a week, once a month. It's like, it's like a therapy session almost. So yeah. it's, it's okay. Um, which, if you're a fan of UNLV football, like a diehard fan, you you probably are very much a regular at therapy sessions. But that's okay. Um, whatever you need to get through it, we do appreciate you guys tuning in to today's episode of Back and Forth. We'll be back on the radio Monday on 91.5 Rebel HD2 and then podcast episodes throughout the week next week. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at BackForthPod. Instagram's at BackForthPodcast. Joey and I are on Twitter and Instagram at JoeyGallegos13 and at MattRaftery925. Enjoy the weekend. Have a safe, happy, healthy weekend, I guess. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of football on. We'll talk all about that on Monday. And until then... Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on the radio later on on Monday.